We're so pleased that you've chosen to follow our Adopt Dead podcast. At Mayor, we believe the best way to help introduce the process of adoption from foster care is through education, hence our cutesy little title of Adopt Dead. Today's theme is volunteer celebration. In our podcast today, we'll be talking about the many ways that volunteers help us to meet the needs of children and families. We'll also have a visit later in the show from Robert Case. Robert and his husband, Christopher Teague, are adoptive parents who have given back to the community as volunteers in so many ways. And I can't wait to introduce you to them. Without further ado, I'm excited to kick off the show with our opening segment called At the Table. Joining me at the table today is my co-host and Director of Family Support Services, Diane Tamaz. Welcome, Diane. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. So, Diane, in past shows, we talked about um, how folks can learn more about adoption and what the process is like, and we've discussed how to engage in the search process and how to choose your level of engagement, and I think those are all great learning opportunities, and I want to shift gears a little bit today. Um, since April is National Volunteer Month, and since we couldn't do our work without the help of countless volunteers and community partners, and since you help to manage a group of volunteers, as my department also um, does, I thought we could speak about the many ways that volunteers help us in our mission of matching children with families. How does that sound? Great. Okay. So I actually, I probably met you as a volunteer um, before I was actually here at, at Mayor. I um, heard so you speak on a panel with one of right. your sons. Yes, that's true. And yes. I think I did some writing and did some op-ed pieces and was a, was an experienced, um, you know, family uh, of sorts for, for mayor. Um, so let's start at the highest level. Um, why don't I tell the audience a little bit about um, the wonderful volunteers who produce our videos and images of waiting children. Um, we have talented people from all over Massachusetts. And, and this is a body of work that's changed a lot. You'll remember, how many years have you been here now? Eight. Right. So you'll remember that um, what we used to we used to call everything heart gallery. Right. So everything from the pictures of the children to the people who did the work to event photos, we just used to call it all heart gallery. And it, it got a little out of control. So I'm using new terminology. So for any of our volunteers, you're going to hear me say things like professional photographers and videographers, because that's what we're talking about. We're also talking about heart gallery. Heart gallery is our portraiture, right? This these portraits that travel around the, the state. We also have a digital heart gallery now. Um, those are all volunteers. It's all volunteer work. Um, and we have people, as I said, from all over the state, from all walks of life. Um, some people are professional photographers. Some people have professional photo and video businesses. Others are just novices or amateurs who really like doing this work. Um, and sometimes we have really fun shoots. We had this great photo shoot at the Hanover Theater in Worcester. I don't know if you remember that particular group of photos, but oh my gosh, we had so much fun with those with those kids. So um, if anyone wants to learn about being a photographer or a videographer for us, um, they can certainly visit us at mayorink.org or Olivia from my team um, is who, you know, we can um, certainly send people to. That's Olivia D, D like Dalton or D like dog. I hate to say D like dog. It feels <laughs> Olivia D at mayorink.org. Um, and so, so that particular program is a program unto itself, and we certainly need talent and, and help for everything from kid photos to event photos. Um, but you have a program that you work on, a mentor-mentee program, something I'm kind of familiar with myself. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Because that's a long-running program and an important piece of the work here. Sure. I think 
Before I start, Joe, I just want to say I think what's so amazing about the videographers and photographers who volunteer their time for us is that many of them have no connection to adoption. Right. And many of them don't necessarily work with kids in their profession, but this is just something that they're called to for one reason or another. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they feel great about it after their first time, their they, first shoot. They want to keep doing it. They totally do. And, you know, you're reminding me of something that I probably should share, and that's the the commitment. So... When people are volunteers, especially, so with anything, with your group of folks, as well as with the group of folks that, that my department works with, um, it's at their discretion. You know, we get out ahead of things. We try and be, you know, very planful and, and get out way in advance and say, hey, are you available? You know, you tell us what you can do and where you can do it and the geographic range you're willing to work in, and then we work with you, right? So that's mm -hmm. that's important. Um, you're right. A lot of people don't have experience with kids. A lot of people just are doing, you know, um, what it is that, that they like to do as a hobby. Uh, they are, um, you know, just out and about in, in the community many times, and really um, they, they are just invested in the work. They just love doing the work. And it might be once a year. It could be three or four times a year for our videographers and, and photographers. But, um, you know, in that particular instance, um, you don't have to be someone who's doing this professionally as a career. And the mentor-mentee program is specifically for parents who've adopted. Um, so what it is, is very natural. It's bringing together folks who've already adopted, who want right. to share their experience and want to lend an open ear and support and guidance to families who are now in process. And the mentees are folks who are open to asking questions of someone who's done it and open to sharing maybe some of their insecurities or fears or challenges they're having with a child who's placed with them. And what, what we do is we try to match those folks based on who they are, what's important to them, and the kind of experiences that they've had. So one of the things that I look at when I'm matching mentors and mentees is, are they a single person? Right. Are they a couple? Are they LGBTQ or straight? If if that's important to them, right? Um, so some people really want to talk to someone else who knows what co-parenting is like versus being a single parent, for example. Sure. Um, I'm also looking sometimes at geography. So if I can bring people together who live fairly close to one another and have the ability maybe to get together if that's what they choose, then that's fantastic. Not only for the parents, but for the kids too. Now, some oh my of our God. kids don't have connection with other adopted kids. It's amazing. Uh, you know, doing uh, so over 20 years now, I've been an adoptive, foster adoptive parent. And I learn the most from other people in this world, right, who live in this foster adoption world. Not that, um, and I've said this many, many times, not that my family isn't kind and compassionate because they are infinitely kind and compassionate. But the language I use, the challenges I have, they're somewhat unique to foster and adopting. Yes. And so when you can be around other people who aren't necessarily going to judge you for sharing something that might be unique to being a foster adoptive parent, that's amazing for people, right? Yeah. And the same is true about, you know, choosing to call your mentor rather than your social worker. Your social worker is a knowledgeable person. Of course, right. your social worker has years of experience and could probably answer your questions. But your social worker is not living with a child who's been in foster care. 
um, and raising that child. Right. And right. <laughs> that's the difference of somebody who's an experienced adoptive parent. And that's what you're looking for sometime. sometimes as somebody who's actually been in your shoes and is going to give it to you straight, but also um, be sympathetic. Right. And that's that's one of the perks, of course, of of the mentor mentee program. But as I was saying, also for our kiddos, um, a lot of them are of a different race than their adoptive parents. And that's another layer of complexity in adoption. And I think for them to um, look at other families that mirror theirs is really powerful. And to maybe have their own conversations with each other about race or about what it means to be part of a family where they're the only fill in the blank. Right. Um, yeah, something that's very nuanced yeah. and, and very different. We had Allie Weissman, you know, Allie from mm-hmm. MSPCC KidsNet. She was one of our, she was actually our first guest on on the first podcast. And she talked to us about the family resource liaisons, right? In so many ways, a mentor is kind of like an FRL, but, mm-hmm. but the way you're describing it now makes me think about it so much differently, right? So a family resource liaison is someone who is available to you through MSPCC KidsNet who can answer questions and help you navigate the system. And mentor-mentees could be very, very customized, very specialized for your family. If you're dealing with uh, interracial issues, if you're dealing with uh, particular school-based needs, if you're, you know, you have people in your, in your fold, in your, in, you know, in in your um, group who have all kinds of specialties. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to make any promises I can't keep, but um, we try really, really hard to get as specific as possible. I've had, for example, I've had families where both of the parents were Asian um, uh, and the child that they're adopting is of another race. And um, they also, excuse me, just to back up, they also have adopted a child prior to that from uh, through private adoption. Okay. So now we've got all kinds you know, of several layers going right? on. Yeah. And people just want to know, you know, how have you navigated that? So I know what it was like to be somebody going through the private adoption process. Now I'm going through the foster care adoption process. They are very different in many ways. And now now we have a, a child who was adopted privately who matches us in terms of race. And then we have a child from foster care now who is of another of race. Another race yeah. And, um, you know, how did you explain that to the kiddos? How'd you answer the questions? Right. Or how about the questions outside of your home, just from people in the community? How did you answer those questions? How can I prepare my kids to go to school and answer questions that come up there? And you have people from all over the state because geography yes. plays into this too. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not committing you. Right. I'm not making promises right. on your behalf, but I, I also happen to know you have an extensive list. So, yes, you know, but geography plays into this being in uh, Newton, maybe very different than being in Springfield or different than being in one of the hill towns or different than being in Lemonster. And, and so you have people from, from all over the state really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also reach out and, and, you know, we as an organization can, can try and find um, supportive people for families if they have very specific needs as well, right? Yes. Yep. We we'll try to do that. Um, we also have people who just had very different adoption experiences. So adopting one child and being a first time parent right. versus being someone who's adopting but has already raised three kids is a different experience. Sure. We've got people who are looking to adopt siblings and just want to talk to somebody about what does it mean to go from zero to three? Right. You know, what is that going to look like? And there are all different ages. And what does a child look like at these different developmental stages? Um, and Older just kind of getting a leg babies, up on that. I mean, yes. any, any kind of, yes. you know, nuanced way to look at 
this yeah. can be supported. And you can come to us for a mentor at any point in the process. So some people like to be really planful and they might be at the very beginning stages of the process, but they want to make that connection early on so that down the road, when some more specific questions come up, they have somebody to contact and they already have that established relationship. Right. And then other people um, are sort of just trying to get through the process. And then when they have a child placed with them, that's when the questions really start to arise and they need somebody who's had that specific experience. Right. So it really does not matter what point you're in the process. And and so part of those experienced families, I know uh, for many years, you and I spent time together before we worked together, uh, Jordan's Options, right? Yes. I, I would sit in the dining rooms. Anybody who's been to the Options event knows that that's an event where you can come as a prospect and learn about adoption from foster care right up to and including matching at the event with a particular child, right? Mm -hmm. So I spent many many years sitting in the dining rooms and, and, you know, talking to prospective families. Talk a little bit about experienced families and, and what they bring to the table and how they provide information and, and resources. Sure. I'm so grateful to them that they just give up their time and come to our events to talk to families in process. First of all, just their presence indicates to families in process that you will get through this. Right, you will right. survive and come out the other end. Look at me. I'm parenting. And not only am I parenting, I'm enjoying it enough to advocate for adoption right. um, and to encourage you to do it too. Um, well, that's, so. that's that factor that we talked about. Do you remember when we were recording back uh, for the March episode, we were talking about how it kind of gets romanticized over yes. time, right? That yeah. it's like it's like having uh, a baby. You kind of forget the pain of childbirth right. at some point in time, right? But, <laughs> but it's also good to know that people have come out the other side, even with challenges. Yes. And say, no, I still advocate for this. This is still a good thing. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to sugarcoat it for you. Right. Um, there are wonderful, wonderful parts of it. And it's so rewarding. And you're going to applaud your kids' successes um, when they happen. Um, and that will be alongside the challenges right. um, that creep up. But here I am as a parent, and I'm glad I did this. And I want to encourage you to do it, too, because I think you will, too. Right. Um, so that's very powerful. And I think the other piece of them attending events is because it gives families, prospective families, a break from what's going on at the rest of the event. So there's that piece of talking to social workers, um, which can be daunting for some families who feel like, oh, I really need to, you know, put on my best face right. and I really need to impress people. And there is that that part of matching that I think brings about those feelings in some people. Sure. Um, and then there's also the piece about meeting kids, which can be really exciting, but for some people also is well, a little intimidating. And, and it depends how you feel. You know, I've met people over the years, and, and Mo and I talked about this in an earlier episode too, not every party environment is going to be right for every person. Yes. Sometimes a really high energy, you know, options in, in Beanstalk are two super high energy assumption is like this too, right? Huge, grand events, lots of kids, lots of people, lots of movement, lots of, it's not everybody's thing. Yeah. But we also have you smaller got the strobe parties. Lights, you got We've the got, music. <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of opportunities to meet. I mean, you have um, events throughout the year where you can, uh, there are panelists and there are experienced families uh, that, that talk about it. I, I'd also be remiss not to talk about what we call success stories, uh, or what we now actually are calling adoption stories. I should actually say this correctly. Um, and it's people sharing, and it may be the same group of people. Um, what's interesting is when Diane and I started working together at Mayor, the grant that I was working on took us um, into some overlap. And it was an overlap in this area, right? Building 
um, you know, relationships with people who can help to tell the story, to help connect people to the work. And, and so one thing that naturally evolved was there were people who wanted to share that publicly. Um, and this is the same group of people. So Diane and I do share some folks. And, and so these adoptive family stories, um, you know, may manifest themselves as a, a single story, but you also have a blog. Yes. Right. So you run the, the mayor blog, your, your team, you know, sort of sources content and, and connects. Families sometimes share their stories on the blog, right? Yeah, which is wonderful. And this is a good time for me to say there's something for everyone. Yeah, and I really sure. mean that. So you don't have to come out of your comfort zone so far that, you know, you're worried about what you're sharing or what your strengths really are. Um, there is something for you. So I've had a, I had a family recently who I ran into and she said to me, I'm so sorry. I promised you months ago that I would write a blog right, post. Right. And I was like, don't worry about it at all. I mean, it's real life. You know, you get caught up um, and you don't, you know, you don't have to commit to writing a blog. Cause I think writing, you know, ha has, well, I think it, it has its own uh, level of anxiety yes, that goes exactly, along with it for a lot of people. But here's the yes. interesting thing. So Olivia, who I've mentioned from my team, you know, in other episodes, um, and I mentioned earlier in this episode, in mm -hmm. terms of the person who manages the photographers and videographers, our, our volunteer talent there, um, she or I or any member of my team is happy to help people yes. with editing. We're happy to help people. You do not have to be people will say to me, but I don't know that I write all that well. <laughs> and I say, share your story, right? Yes. We can help you with the narration. We can help you do that. Um, not that writing's for everyone and not that everyone has to go that route. Um, we also, for our success stories, we, we do video work. You can go on the website and see the stories of families who've come out the other side um, and you can see videos, right? Yeah. Um, so there's all these ways in which people can do it. I would say, if people have a story that they want to share, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there. I'll, I'll directly, right? So just email me, joe, S, S like Sam, at merink.org. If you've got a story and you want to share, send it over. And I'm happy to, to figure it out. And between Diane and I, and we do this all the time, we try and figure out what the highest and best use of people's talents are, right? So yep. maybe... And just to circle back to that family, I said to her, I do not want you to lose any sleep over that. Right. Would you like to do something else? And she said, I don't think I'm on your mentor list. And I'd be glad to do that. And it, it fantastic. Yeah, it, it's wonderful. I mean, I just appreciate when people want to give of their time and right. uh, support other families in, in any way that they want to do that. And just to echo Joe's sentiments, I'm happy to share someone's story for them. Um, and by that, I mean, people call me and we have conversations all the time about how things are going with their kids or, right. or things that have come up for them. And I'm glad to put that into writing for someone if that's easier. Yeah, so that's great. You and I have had a great conversation and then I'll just take some time and, and write that up for you. Yeah. And the point is that we're getting your story out into the world and that's really what matters. As long as, right. And I think, and that's where the big benefit it comes from because I can tell you that when I started this process, and again, like this goes back a couple of decades, um, almost to the point where computers were just being invented, <laughs> but you know, they had been invented, but were just becoming common use. You didn't have an internet and you didn't have all these There's resources. No email address. No. Oh my gosh, fax me. Could you fax that over to me? Or oh, me. I have to go. Right. Yeah. I have to go find a fax machine. No, but the, the point is this, there wasn't a free sharing of information and today there is. And I think it's so important because what families say all the time is what I knew to be true. When I started seeing myself in others, I felt part of this process. Mm -hmm. Until that point, I felt very alone. Mm -hmm. And I meet a lot of people who um, 
suffer in silence seems so harsh, but who are very silent, who are very quiet, who don't really talk about the challenges. And that can be really hard. And that's why I love the mentor mentee piece I, groups. There's a number of, of resource groups and other, you know, agency, um, options for people out in the community, um, jumping on the blog and reading about other people's experiences is great. Um, if you want to be a mentor or a mentee, I would say, you know, email Diane, Diane T like Thomas. Um, and, uh, so Diane T at Merink.org. And she'd be happy to to hear about your story and to figure out, you know, how you can be connected with people. And you don't have to go to events. You don't have to. It could be as simple as just being a phone resource for somebody, right? And sometimes it's a one-time event. I mean, recently we had a call from a, a TV station asking for families who'd be willing to answer some questions about their adoption story. And so the commitment was really just for a couple of hours, one day. And so if that's something that's more doable with your schedule, that's terrific. We're always grateful for that. Yeah. And that's, and that's a a discussion on, on media. And so we also, um, we have a number of interns here. Uh, Speaking of volunteers, we have fantastic interns. Um, And so Olivia and one of my interns works on localizing people's stories. We try and make sure that across the Commonwealth, um, part of our advocacy is is really just getting messages out into the community. So sometimes um, you'll see big events when we do National Adoption Day. We've got media coverage from all the news stations and the Boston Globe is there and, you know, the, the big newspapers are there. But that's one point in the year. Um, we also like to just get stories out throughout the year um, and share successes and challenges, by the way. You know, we're not about – and that's why – we're adopting the language adoption stories as opposed to success stories. Success stories implies that everything's great. Everything's rosy. You know, as you and I have talked about in the past couple of episodes, not not everything's great all the time and there are challenges. And, you know, so I think that's another thing that comes up. People will say to me, I don't think anyone would want to hear my story. Right. Well, you know what? They probably would because if it happened to you, it's probably happened to somebody else. Um, I think we can't also, we'd be remiss if we forgot the other volunteers who staff tables at events and who help to direct kids and families around events and, um, you know, just basically show up and say, tell me what to do, right? And and lend us a hand. And so we're so greatly appreciative of the kindness of everyone who donates their time and and talents to our organization. And I think this is the point in the show and it's April and it's, it's national, you know, volunteer month and, you know, we just want to thank everybody. I know we try and do that throughout the year, but gosh, we couldn't do it with all of these people. Hundreds and hundreds of people. No, it's not just rhetoric. We really mean it. I mean, there are so many events that I've had experienced families volunteer to go to, even on mayor's behalf, where we haven't staffed the event, but we've had a call from, let's say, a church, for example, we have right. a, an event coming up this weekend where we know this experienced family is going to do a great job talking right. about adoption from foster care and advocating for our kids. Right. Um, and that's the kind of work that we honestly could not fit into our schedules and really rely on our experienced families to do. No, for sure. And, and actually, I'm going to be interviewing Rob Case um, later in this show. And, and Rob is is a good friend of both of ours uh, because he's a super volunteer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the things that he did was he found an opportunity, many over the years, but most recently found an opportunity at his church to help, you know, plug in our digital heart gallery, to do some work educating um, his church community about what what is um, the, the dialogue around adoption from foster care and what foster care is all about. And so if you can think of a way to volunteer, we can probably find a way to use you. But, yeah, looking but, at your own life as it is now, looking at your calendar and your schedule, finding ways to fit in 
advocacy and volunteerism is probably a lot easier than creating something from scratch, which is, you know, not everybody's forte. Um, And so if you are going to a place of worship every week, then maybe that's just the easiest way to get the word out. You could ask us for some brochures. We're glad to provide you with them. Or perhaps you'd like to ask if they would feature the heart gallery. Um, that's a really easy ask for us. Or maybe it's that you work somewhere where there's a natural traffic flow. You've got people coming in and out all of the time. That's a great way. That's huge. But you also do. I was thinking lunch and learns. Mm -hmm. You can, um, by appointment, schedule time to go in if somebody works for a company. And they and what they can offer to you is an opportunity to come in and talk about adoption from foster care. Certainly, we can bring the heart gallery or the digital heart gallery, you know, um, as a leave behind. But you can come in and talk to the staff about the ways in which they can engage and help and support. Right. So there's sure there are numerous opportunities. But but really, back to my my original point. Thank you to all of our volunteers. We really appreciate you so much. And um, you know, we do try and thank you throughout the year. But it's April. Happy Volunteers Month. Thank you. So let's, you know, I'm trying to do vocabulary every month and demystify and talk about the kinds of, of things that that we use for terminology and jargon. And so heart gallery and digital heart gallery, which I sometimes call DHG, um, these are tools that have been in use for a long time. The heart gallery in its original incarnation is a collection of professional photos of children who are legally freed and waiting for adoption. It appeared on carpet board displays initially and, and rotated throughout malls and, and still lives in that incarnation. Uh, but we have now supplemented that with the digital heart gallery. Our friends at Jordan's Furnitures have a, an ongoing digital heart gallery at several sites. We have a mobile digital heart gallery, so we now bring out what we call the, you know, the big television display. Um, and so the digital heart gallery and heart gallery are a collection of portraits uh, of waiting children, success stories. Again, we're calling adoption stories uh, these days, but it's just a way for us to share the message. And it could be that they're, um, uh, they've got a photo or a video or an official story you know, on our website, but it could also be that they're writing for your blog, right? Mm-hmm. So um, share however you can. Mentor-mentee program. Want to do that one one more time? Sure. Just a reminder, we bring experienced adoptive families together with families who are in process. Um, it's a way to get support and a non-judgmental ally who's going to walk you through the process. Great. Well, I think uh, this was all very helpful. And as we wrap up this segment, um, why don't we remind our listeners of how they can, you know, get more information, how they can, um, you know, learn more about what we've talked about today. Sure. Lots of different ways. You can join us at one of our events, which are posted on mareinc.org. You can check us out on any of our social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can give us a call at 617-964-6273. Great. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. And you know how much I enjoy working with you. So thanks for being in the studio. I love doing it. Thanks so much for inviting me. We'll be right back to introduce you to a few waiting children right after this short break. Be right back. And now it's time to introduce you to some of our waiting children. Today, we'll learn about Ashton and Ezra. It's probably a good time to remind our listeners that they can find information about any of our waiting children at our website, mareinc.org. Simply click on Meet the Children, 
and select Waiting Children. You can then search by a child's registration number or view Waiting Children or create a custom search. So Diane, why don't we tell more uh, tell people about our featured Waiting Children? Sure. Let's start with Ashton. He is 14 years old. Um, his registration number is 6095. If you check him out, you'll see he's wearing this really cool Red Sox jersey. He's a teen boy. He's Caucasian. He's sociable. He's engaging. And he's described as being really mature for his age. He likes to have conversations um, and really engage with other people. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, if your strength is that you are looking to adopt an older child, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole, I don't know if you remember the campaign for um, uh, Adopt U.S. Kids and Adopting Older Children. And, you know, there was this, this funny running joke, you know, like, well, they can help you mow the lawn. They right. can, you know. But but here's a kid who's social, who's engaging, right? Yeah. And um, and who would fit into a family that that has room for uh, an older child, and and maybe one of those empty nesters that we always talk about. Maybe there's there's some room there. Tell us more about him. He seems like a a kiddo I'd want to invite to dinner and you know, sit down and have a real have conversation, conversation with. Okay. Sounds lovely. He also likes to play Legos and and other craft toys. He likes to read, watch TV, and just explore. Okay. Yeah, he likes to socialize and, um, you know, he likes kids his age, but he also enjoys the company of adults. Okay. So this is this is a good time to talk about. So we talk about strength-based matching mm -hmm. all the time, right? So if I was a parent who liked to talk, right, and really wanted to have a kiddo that was going to be engaged, this might be a good match for me. Absolutely. He's in middle school and has hopes of attending college in the future. That's great. Future does well. Goals. Yeah. Does well academically and benefits from some extra support um, at school. But he really works hard and wants to do well. His social worker believes he would do best in a family that likes to spend time together. So, oh, so yeah, yeah, again, going back sociable to what you're family. Saying, Joe, yep, loves that. He's your he's your kiddo who's going to join you at the dinner table and tell you all about his day. Right. Likes playing games. He wants a family that, that's going to encourage him. Okay. That really promotes family time. So those of you who already have a close-knit family or um, would really like that, then this might be the child for you. Ashton is legally freed for adoption. He's looking for a home where he could be the youngest or only child. He has an older brother, though, that he'd like to continue to visit and some extended family members with uh, that he'd like to remain connected with. Well, that's that's a nice nice thing to think about, and you have to be open and willing to that to do that. But but we ask parents to be open, or prospective parents to be open and willing to to have relationships because it's part of our construct here in Mass. Open adoption is, uh, I think, in our last show we were talking about types of adoptions and saying how even um, in domestic private adoption, how open adoption has become, you know, um, so it's the prevalent. norm. It's the norm, yeah. right? And so, and so here's a kid who, you know, has some, some family that he needs to stay connected to, but that's, that's part of the norm. And I don't think that's a huge ask. And certainly a kid who seems to bring an awful lot to the table. And, mm -hmm. and if you're the kind of family that likes to sit around and have conversation and, you know, mm -hmm. be involved as a family, it seems like he would fit right in. And you said he has to be the youngest? That's right. The youngest or only child. And this is not a deal breaker, but he'd love it if you had a dog oh. or be open to getting a dog. Okay. All right. That's, um, all, that's good. And that's, and so, um, you know, Mo and I have talked about in the past, why we say what we say about family constellation, why we say about child placement, th this thought that's gone into this, right? right? So right. just, you know, read that for what it's, for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Um, People can always ask, right, if they if they want to know if, if a child will fit within their current family construct, for sure. Um, but, but those are there as guidelines. 
Yeah. And the nice thing about older kids is they tend to uh, attend our adoption events. Right. And so you could really um, meet Ashton or an older child like Ashton in person, right. spend some time together. Yeah. And, and because they're older, they they understand, you know, what what's going on. They understand, you know, what the the end goal of all of this, this is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we talk about, Mo and I talked about the fact that these are just big play events and they're just, they're fun for kids. Um, but we do have some teen events and, and they're very different and teens are very much a part of the, the process. Um, so you could certainly meet him. And who else are we talking about today? Well, I was going to say one last thing that's important, Joe, is speaking of giving kids their own voice, Ashton has a Wednesday's Child video, and it's up right. on our website. So if you'd like to hear him in his own words, you can check that out. Great. Our other child is Ezra, and Ezra is 13 years old. She's of Cape Verdean descent, and she's usually laid back and quiet until you get her talking about her favorite topics. You want to guess what they are? Um, cooking. Nope. Anime and the Robotics Club. Uh, I know. Okay, right. right? Yeah. So if you're into anime, if you're a family that, you know, kind of uh, is tech savvy and you like everything tech, Ezra's a good good connect. Or if you're not, she can help you. That's true. (laughs) She can take care of that for you. Um, She also enjoys reading, writing, drawing. She has a great imagination. She writes her own stories. she also, uh, well, those who know her would say she really loves to please others. Okay. Um, she does well in school and yay, she's recently been on the honor roll. Good oh, job, that's Ezra. Good. You know what? That's a way to attest to the fact that you've been doing well in school, right? Yeah. You hit that honor roll. Ezra is legally freed for adoption and she's expressed that she would like a mom in her future family. Okay. Her social worker believes that she would thrive in either a one or two parent family and her worker would like to prioritize families with at least one female. So she's really listening um, to what Ezra has to say, and that's important. It's also important that Ezra's future family be open to maintaining contact with her siblings who are placed separately. Okay. So somebody who's really opening to uh, scheduling and making right. that happen. Right. And again, that whole idea of embracing the past and keeping children connected to their past, so important. And particularly siblings right. who often have, um, they have a shared history. Yeah, and yeah. they and they can't always necessarily be placed together for a variety right. of different reasons. But having a relationship isn't always a bad thing. That's right? right. So and kids are reliant on adults to make that happen. Right. You know, at an age where you're not able to drive yourself somewhere and get yourself somewhere, um, they really need the adults to step up and help them make that happen. And we tell people that in the bios That's because right. we want them to understand from the very beginning what the expectations are. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if it was earlier in this episode or last month when we were talking about map class and, mm-hmm. you know, so every once in a while um, I'll have a family who says, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of having to have a relationship with a biological family, or I'm afraid of what might happen if the children, you know, are connected to their past. And I always say, I don't know what you say to people, but I always say it's important. It's yes. part of their history. It's part of their continuity, right? Absolutely. Regardless of what happened. Kids will tell you that. Yeah. Regardless of what happened, it is part of their past. We can't just erase it. Um, so having that connection is important. And sometimes siblings... Um, in my experience, sometimes siblings have been even more important than parental figures yes. simply because of that shared history and the camaraderie and the fact that, you know, sometimes they um, were there to look out for each other. And it's so important. And Ezra also has a video online, right. which is terrific. So you can get a small sense of who she is if you check that out on our website. Great. 
Well, I think that this is uh, another um, wonderful um, information segment, and you can certainly check us out at marink.org. Call 617-964-6273. Of course, as Diane always reminds you, you can attend an event. And um, so these are our kids for this week. Check out Ashton and Ezra. Thanks for joining me, Diane. It's always fun to work with you. It's good to do... uh, all of these wonderful, fun segments. And, and this month was especially fun because it's volunteer month and we get to thank all of our volunteers. So thank you again. One last thank you to you and all of our volunteers. Thanks, Joe. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back with our special guest, adoptive parent and volunteer extraordinaire, Robert Case. So, Jeremy. Yes. Producer Joe. Jeremy. Yeah, making my first appearance here. I think it's great. And uh, I thought maybe you could help me tell everybody about an event that we have coming up in May. It's our annual walk run for adoption. Yes, of course. It's very exciting. One of our biggest events of the year. It's a great uh, family-friendly event. You can bring all the kids. Uh, there's the walk run, of course, which is like a 5K at the Jordan's Furniture in Taunton. Um, and then afterwards, there's a, a after race party with food right. and games and arts and crafts. And yeah, it's amazing. And you don't have to walk or run. I mean, you know, you right. you can. Uh, yes. But there's there's lots of ways. Uh, and this is a, a fundraising event for mayor. And so there's a lot of ways that you can raise money. You can uh, certainly have a team. So you talked about the walk run aspect. But we have people who are virtual participants who um, aren't able to join us because their calendar doesn't allow. But they still raise money online. Uh, and you can, you know, come and hang out and, and, you know, have a fun day. So, uh, for folks to get more information, visit us at jordanswalkforadoption.org. Click register, donate, or get more information. So I'm joined here by Sarah Baldiga today, who is the co-founder and executive director of Rise Above. And Sarah, I understand you have an event coming up. We do. We are turning 10 years old. I can't believe I've known you for 10 years. I know. I know. Um, So we are celebrating 10 years of impact. We've served almost 5,000 kids and um, distributed more than a million dollars. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, to help kids with uh, extracurricular activities. So we are throwing a party, a birthday party. That's so fun. Yeah, it'll be on... Uh, Saturday, May 18th okay. in Worcester. And, if um, people want to join you, how do they get tickets? Yeah, there's information on our website, Okay, which so. is uh, weriseabove.org. Perfect. And if they want to send you an email, it's, uh, it's at the same rate. So is it? Yep, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at weriseabove.org. Great. Well, listen for Sarah in an upcoming episode in July. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Welcome back to Adopt Dead. This is our Adopt Talk segment where we get to meet community members who are involved in the foster care and adoption process. Joining me today is adoptive parent and volunteer to mayor in so many ways, Robert Case. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Can I call you Rob? Absolutely. Perfect. So we're going to talk about volunteering. This whole show is about volunteering this month and, um, you know, it's Volunteer Appreciation Month. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
when when we talk about volunteering, though, I want to kind of start before we talk about volunteering. Let's talk about you and your your family. Tell me all about what's going on, and uh, you know, you're you're an active adoptive family. Yes, uh, we're actually going through um, our third adoption currently. Uh, still in the process for that, waiting to finalize. Um, uh, the first two, I say it's two adoptions, but it was a sibling pair that we adopted first. Um, that was finalized about almost three years ago now. Time, right. Time has I know flown. time has flown, right? <laughs> it's gone by very, very quickly, and the kids are growing up very quickly. Um, so uh, we're just waiting on a date to finalize the third, um, and... I think that's going to be it for us. You're going to, you're going to stop? I, we're a little bit, you know, compared to other friends and people that we know, I, I'm, I say we're the underachievers. Well, you know, I was at three at one point too, Rob, and you know what? Four more later, I, well, you know, you know, I finally if, did stop. If we so. hit that Powerball, you know, I, <laughs> I, I am totally open to it. I uh, love it. You know, so, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, we we know our limitations. Sure, sure. So. No, I think it's great. I think it's great. So in the spirit of full disclosure, I've known you for quite some time. We yeah. uh, actually connected through uh, uh, an adoption uh, support group, I mm -hmm. think, initially, and we mm -hmm. got to know each other through Mayor. Um, and, and during that time, I've seen such an amazing commitment from you that you've you've done so much. I probably knew you also in the beginning, probably as another volunteer to mayor, right? Because I think we were yeah. probably bumped into each other at events. And yep. um, but but tell me why mayor and specifically why volunteering at mayor is important to you. Well, I mean, uh, adoption has always been a, a big part of our lives, uh, obviously, and it's something that I like the aspect. Uh, for us that we are uh, helping children right here in Massachusetts. Right. Um, and um, so my husband is uh, a former attorney uh, and uh, worked for the district attorney's office in Suffolk right. uh, for a number of years. And so he had exposure to the juvenile side of that uh, a little bit. And uh, so it was something that we always wanted to do. Uh, he come from a very large family. Right, I remember that. And then I, it was just my sister and I, so uh, we kind of settled right on the middle with, with right, three right, kids. Right. But um, so it's something that it's just been very important to us to be able to open our homes and our and our hearts to to help these kids right. to thrive and to. to and you said, "Hey, other people should know about this too." So yeah, absolutely. Let's, and let's help to share know, the message, right? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we talk at a number of events. Um, there's all kinds of things that uh, we do and talk to people about adoption. Yeah. We've actually had several of our friends end up adopting because of of talks that we've had with them, both privately and at events. And right. Like that. So and I think that's how, you know, that's how I got involved initially is, yeah. is volunteering. And, um, and certainly um, in terms of what you do, you've done so many things. So if I go through the list, you are an experienced family who shares information with other families at events. Absolutely. Right. You function that way. You've been mentors and mentees to other families as mm -hmm. they've needed some level of support. Mm -hmm. You are uh, a success story family. People who are familiar with Mayor know that you did uh, a video with us. Probably it's been probably about a year and a half or, mm -hmm. or two now, right, since we did your video, right? Yep. So you share yep. your information there. We have a success story overall mm -hmm. with your family, right? Um, but most recently, you also said, hey, what other ways can can we you know, work together. And so through your parish, right, through your, yep. through your church connection, I don't know, it was maybe late last year, mid-year last year, late last year, you said to me, yeah. you know, I'd like to 
talk more with my congregation about this. I'd mm-hmm. like to. So, so you're actually coming to us with ideas now, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, we have a new digital heart gallery that we've mm-hmm. been trying to promote. So, and we're part of that as well. You are yeah. part of that initiative. So, um, so I guess you know we can talk about all those other pieces, but then there's the hey, you know, I've got this idea, and then and then even more recently, you said to me, hey, within my within my city. Right. There may be opportunities. Right. So let's talk about the church thing first. Okay. Uh, tell me what the inspiration was. Tell me. I know you're, you're very plugged into your church community. Right. But I am. Yeah. Um, but how did that conversation go for somebody who, uh, like you, is part of a congregation that may be, you know, open to the idea of promoting adoption from foster care? Mm-hmm. You know, how did it go for you? What would you share with somebody who who has those aspirations? Well, for me uh, and my husband, Chris, it was it was very easy uh, conversation actually um, after our I guess regular church service we have uh, what we call a second hour series uh, and it's just kind of like topics that are important to any they range anywhere from social justice to to homelessness to hunger to all kinds right. of different topics and um, it was actually our associate pastor that asked us if we would be willing to talk about Adoption and, right. and you know, kind of like how that's affected our family and what's going on. And and I guess it was, you know, I mean, Chris and I have been members of the church for a number of years. And and it was just kind of like, I don't think everybody really knew all the details about what we have sure. to go through through the process. Sure. And, and how emotional it can be, how long it can take mm-hmm. and things like that. So it really gave them an opportunity to kind of open their eyes a little bit about the actual process of adopting through foster care. Are there other families within your other congregants, parishioners, you know, within within your church who have adopted or for whom adoption is part of their world? Uh, no. Well, actually, there's one other family, but their daughter is much, much older now. She's, gotcha. uh, she's off at college currently. Okay. So, so uh, he also presented a little bit about what his family's experience with, with adoption, but this was a number of years ago. Gotcha. So we kind of did, and this is how it's changed and what it's currently yeah. like yeah. Uh, in the process. He also did uh, an international adoption. I was going to say, there's so many ways that adoption yeah. can happen, and oftentimes, um, you know, as I've gone into various communities, uh, faith-based communities included, right, uh, people have a very diverse lens on this, mm-hmm. and foster care from adoption is... Um, in my estimation, right, just from the stories that have been shared with me anecdotally, um, is probably somewhat misunderstood. We we get um, lumped in with all adoptions. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things about adoption from foster care in Massachusetts is that it's free. Right. Uh, and people's immediate response to adoption of any type, including foster care adoption, is that it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of hurdles. Just even before you start the conversation, people have it staged in their mind that they may be, um, they may have the cause in their mind as something that's important, mm-hmm. but they may think that there are barriers that you know are already beyond them before they even start to ask questions. So, um, so I'd be interested to learn what kinds of you know what kinds of interactions you had, what kinds of questions you had as you were as you were working with your faith based community. That was definitely one of the questions, like. You know, how much does this cost you guys to do? How much does this cost you to take care of the kids? You know, right. just to kind of get a sense. And because, um, you know, there's therapy visits that we go to right. weekly with two of our children. And, you know, the health care aspect, you know, you've got now you've got three kids. Right. And so it's all this right. extra money. And, you know, how do you do this? And but it was also from a, a point of concern where people are like, can we help you? You know, what can we do to help you guys to make it easier oh, that's on your nice. family? So, yeah. That's, so, you know, that's it, what's it, nice about being part of a community. Right. And any it, sort. It was, so it came from a very compassionate place. And uh, but they were very interested to hear how the state 
um, deals with um, adoption. And um, so they were, I think their eyes were opened a lot okay. to, you know, about the, the cost and, and uh, some of the, I guess you would say, benefits that you receive sure, as adopted sure. through foster care. Um, and they were very pleasantly surprised, I think. And, and uh, so a number of people were like, oh, you know. And so we kind of left it open. And it if anybody ever wants yeah, to talk to us. If anybody wants information, let us you know. We, sure. know. we know the people to put you in touch with. Right. And uh, so, yeah. And so. We, we shared the Digital Heart Gallery. So the yep. Digital Heart Gallery for our listeners who may be just joining us now or who may not remember from prior episodes is – uh, the more modern version of our heart gallery, our heart gallery for anyone in the know uh, who's been with us or following us for many years is a sort of, I call it the analog carpet board display. It's, it's you know, portraiture of children that hangs on a carpet board or sits on an easel. But the digital heart gallery is what some people may have experienced if they visited some of the Jordan's furniture locations. Mm-hmm. Our own lobby um, has it installed or if they've seen our large television display and, and that's available to send out like we did to Rob, right? Mm-hmm. And said, hey, you can share this with your community. And and certainly, um, you know, as we're here today in studio with producer Jeremy, who uh, is, is always with us in our podcast, he's the one who is our digital communication specialist and he's happy to send it out and update uh, people. So if anybody wants more uh, information about the Digital Heart Gallery, or if they wanna learn how they can share information, you know, with their, their parish or with mm-hmm. their community group, we're, we're more than happy to talk about that. And that's what Rob did. He reached out. So uh, he has connections with um, Diane Tamaz, who um, some of you have heard is as my co-host of the other segment and who, you know, is our family uh, director of family support services. Uh, He has connections with my team because he's done a lot of work in the media and has done uh, the success story work. So he just reached out and said, hey, I have an opportunity. How can I how can I help? And more recently, we were talking about, um, so you live in Framingham. I do. Yeah. And you have some plug into some civic work in, in the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had an opportunity to think about how we could plug into the community too, right? So, yeah, it was something that, um, you know, I wanted to look at because, you know, a lot of the foster care process is kind of state level. But I wanted to look more into what we could do as a local level yeah. uh, and how, you know, the city of Framingham or any city could really try to support uh, adoption and kind of promote that a little bit. And there's there's so many ways. And, and so for, for the sake of repeating the conversation that mm-hmm. I had with you, just in case, you know, because I think this is a good way for us to help people sort of ideate and think about mm-hmm. how they could get involved. Right. So so what I said to Rob was. We've got a couple of communities every November that we have uh, a National uh, Adoption Month proclamation in the city of Springfield happens to be one. Our thanks to Mayor Sarno and his team for, for hosting that. We've uh, worked up north. We've you know worked throughout the state and, and wherever um, there's interest. But that's a, that's a great thing to do. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it is only one time of the month. I'm really trying to make sure that we are um, engaging year round and mm-hmm. looking for new ways. So. One of the things I was sharing with Rob is uh, in the month of May, we're going to be at Boston City Hall and we're hosting a really special version of the Heart Gallery where the children who are um, uh, part of the Heart Gallery also are doing their own artwork and um, writing a little bit about um, about you know, sort of their connection mm-hmm. um, to, to foster care and adoption. And, and that's an interesting and unique um, way to present information. And that was a that came from a conversation, you know, with that particular um, administration. So there's always ways that we can we can make this work. And I think, you know, within your community, we talked about a couple of different things that we could mm-hmm. that we could possibly do. We're always up for education, and um, and my team and I are always interested in in thinking about and talking about any idea. We can't 
promote this enough right now. Absolutely. Um, there's about 1,100 kids uh, waiting in foster care for an adoptive connection. And so we can't say enough about it. We can't expose, you know, the whole process enough so that people understand it. It's amazing that, uh, you know, I'm 20, a couple of decades, 21 maybe years into this now. Yeah. And I've lived in it for a long time and I've, I've never forgotten what it, I was promised myself I wouldn't forget what it was like when I started. And I've always tried to remember that as we do this work, um, which is hard because, you know, we do quite extensive promotion of, of foster care adoption. And, and so, you know, it, sometimes you get a little bit away from that. And I always try and bring myself back to that baseline because there's so many people who just don't know. Right. I meet people every single day um, who want to learn more and who, when they do learn more, even if it's not for them, know somebody who potentially might be, uh, you know, a good connect to foster care adoption. Absolutely. Um, so I would suspect it's the same for you. But but tell me, um, you know, tell me aside from everything that you've done in, in the fact that you are, you know, sort of uh, thinking of new ways to connect with us, tell me what you would share with somebody who's out in the community like you, maybe maybe not even as enculturated as you. Maybe, you know, you, you're a, a foster adoptive parent, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a particular lens. What about just somebody out in the community who says this this cause is important to me? What what would you share with them? What would you what would you say drives you? How do you, you know, how how would you get them to take action? What could you do to help them understand how they could take action? Well, I think for us, you know, the main thing is it's all about the kids. Right. And these children uh, that are in foster care, they are going to be our legacy. They are going to carry on the future and uh, and part of that is sometimes um, having to kind of take their life in a different direction. So to kind of break that cycle, because um, uh, our first children, they came from a cycle where their parents had been involved in the foster gotcha. adoption. Multi-generational. So, so it's, it was a multi-generational thing. So it was trying to um, figure out a way to help them to kind of break that cycle a little bit gotcha. um, and to just bring more stability to their lives so they can be, uh, you know, good citizens and, and, and learn. No, that's you know. true. And I think that there is that social justice aspect, even if, Absolutely. even if you are not yourself in a position now or, or maybe in the future to adopt, you can, you can still contribute. You Absolutely. can still help. Right. So Absolutely. I think that's important to remember. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come in studio and to speak with us. And, and we really appreciate you. You know that, right? My and uh, we appreciate yeah. you at Mayor an awful lot. And thank you for um, for listening to uh, Adopt Talk today. I'm Joe Sandigato, Director of Communications and Public Relations from Mayor. If you're looking for more information, visit us at mayorink.org or dial 617-964-6273. Until next time. <laughs>